Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's going on, everybody? Happy uh, Tuesday to you. It's Tuesday. Oh, it I had to, Tuesday. had to read the set list here. I'm Dang. like a rock and roller. wanted to come out and yell well, hello Thursday to the wrong already. city. It's Tuesday. Oh, you're the wrong city. Well, yeah, we can say happy birthday to Chris Chandler, my former teammate. Chris Chandler's birthday? How old is Chris Chandler? Uh, I think he's 57? 56. 56. Okay. So he's a trivia question. He was the quarterback when McNair got drafted. <laughs> Chandler. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Chris or McNair <laughs> liked that whole operation. <laughs> just, just, yeah. just saying, I was there. <laughs> well, here's what happens, though. Imagine this. Now, he signs with the team as the number one quarterback, right? And he knows how this league works. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you draft a guy, what was it, the third pick of the draft? Yeah, I think so. I thought I was the guy. Yeah. So if I have a bad game, they're going to be calling. McNair. And so he was a little perturbed. So they, they gave him two years and then then they said, okay, McNair. Just <laughs> that, that that was not a good good deal there, man. They might as well kept Warren Moon and help him uh get over all of that and, and make it through and uh, you know <laughs> I guess grooming to be the next quarterback. That was that was horrible. This yeah. all happened my rookie year. <laughs> we had some crazy stuff to happen there with the Houston Oilers. Didn't You've told this story before. I'm not telling anything out of school here. Didn't Bud come in your rookie year in the locker room and say, I've spent all this money. If you guys don't win, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. And dumb me was like a rookie. It's like, (laughs) oh, he's talking about we're going to get cut? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't care anything about what he was like. We've been together. He said, if we don't go to the Super Bowl, we're going to dismantle this team is what he said. Exactly his words. And I was like, huh? I just got here. I'm going to get cut. Oh, my gosh. Man. I just start running around hitting everybody. <laughs> that was your answer. To, yeah, I just started to hit everybody. I just hit everybody. <laughs> Everything that moves, they get lit up. <laughs> that's, how, that's all I could do. Was that 94? No, that was 93. 93. the 93 season, my rookie year. And he said that to us in training camp in San Antonio at Trinity College. And I thought I was going to die. I mean, I mean, die, like, from the heat. The heat oh, yeah. was like no other uh, that I've ever been involved in ever. <laughs> you were lying on weigh-in sheets every day, right? Because you were losing so much weight. Oh, yeah. Every single day. I was throwing up. What would you get down to? Uh, almost to my high school weight. Yeah, I, I, was, I was close. I was 175 when I graduated high school. I think I got on like the 182. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I was like, What? I was like, oh, my God. Hey, it's gonna... getting loose. Hey, oh, boy. Word <laughs> I felt like I was. I said, hey, man, I could do some bodybuilding now. <laughs> I was ripped. <laughs> oh, I was ripped, man. If somebody came by and just barely touched me with a knife, I would have bled to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Man, I was it couldn't hold any food down. I was like, oh, this is absolutely horrible. That happened for about a week, too, man. I when you turn to Whataburger to nourish you. No, not at, not at that time. <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> no, that wasn't until uh, <laughs> when we got back to Houston and I was on the roster uh, with no vehicle, so I was just walking to practice. How you were, you were saying this, like, it would be lunchtime and, like, guys would go get just bags of McDonald's and stuff. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, now they get, get to cater food. Right. And now yeah. they did start catering, you know, like halfway through the season. Oh, they did? Yeah, so that was just early on. It was guys going and getting bags. Yeah, because that's what they had been doing for years. I was like, what the heck is this? Really? So I watch this. I start bringing bag lunch. 
<laughs> man. You still have a bag of food every day. I, I, I bag lunch, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, man. I, hey, I, I didn't even know if I was going to stay on the, t- on the team, man. Every week. I, and that mind frame really, you know, kept me going, really, uh, to believe that, hey, man, any day I could be cut. So I give it my best effort. So that's what was what your fuel? PB&J. They're talking about PB&Js on Sunday Night Football. Oh, yeah, I had, yeah. Oh, NBA teams. That's, oh, I had peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, or, or turkey sandwiches. That was, like, my go-to. Yeah. I, I really felt like I, I couldn't afford to get some McDonald's. Yeah, that's where I was at. Where dude's looking at you like, hey, man, what are you doing? I was like, hey, man, I, I don't know. I may not be around because they see me walking to practice. Where you live? I said, I live right across the street. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm still freeloading off of Brad Hopkins paying like $200, $300 for a room in his townhome. <laughs> and I could have drove one of his cars, but I'd always wait till he wasn't there. Right. Yeah, because he, he wouldn't even be home until it was dark. After practice, he didn't even come home every single day. I was like, dude, hey, man, we got, hey, I'm tired of walking your dog, man. <laughs> hey, bro, you got to come get that thing. He's kind of mean. So, yeah, man. It kind of stuck with me throughout my, my career and my life. Yeah, pretty much. Well, a conservative. Well, it's not a bad thing, man. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad thing at all being conservative, uh, for sure. Uh, Titans assistant coaches uh, speaking today, the offensive guys. A couple things stood out. I wanted to write this down. Rob Moore says A.J. Brown was actually like waving him off some on Sunday, like, I'm fine. Leave me out here. He thinks he'll play more snaps this week, so no setback. That's a good oh. thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Keith Carter got <laughs> asked about. O-line every, coach. Er, er, yes, everything comes back to Dylan Radens. This is so fascinating to me. Uh. They played like nine or ten other guys. He's a second-round draft pick, still not playing on offense. He did play on special teams. So what did they ask him? Just about when might when might he? When I see might, people blaming him for everything that goes wrong with the offensive I'm, line. I'm like, wait, Keith wait, wait, Carter hold on. Or yeah. Dylan Raiden. No, Keith, Keith Carter. Carter. I'm like, wait, wait, minute. All of a sudden, he was a great coach last year. Now right. all of a sudden, he's horrible. The year before, people not stop. good. Then last year, really good. And then this yeah, year, not guys, good again. Guys aren't aren't playing up to the stuff. At least as uh, as far as pass protection. He mentioned Lawan and said he he is improving weekly. So yeah. it means coming off a catastrophic knee injury for everybody. I, he's coming off a catastrophic knee injury. He'll well, get, I'm not gonna give it catastrophic. Well, I mean, he, <laughs> ACLs are like nothing these days. Well, still though, I mean, <laughs> I mean they, they can't for regular people, them. right? For regular people, for NFL guys, it's like, hey man, right. you got. Well, to- when will he get back up to stuff? And he's gradually each and every game gaining confidence and getting better. Uh, it was a you know, it's a tough injury. I, I feel like the Achilles injury is actually. Uh, a tough one to come back from. Uh, I don't care what position you play. More so than ACLs because they kind of perfected. Now, everybody's knee is different. I'm not going to act like it's not hard. It is hard. Uh, but the Achilles, boy, that one's a woo. And, and what that blooper. looks like when it's over. Oh, man, it does not look good. And I prayed of all the injuries as I would not get that one. I did. I, I promise you. I saw some guys get that, and they were never the same. I mean, never. They could not recover. They lost a half a beat a step or what? It just was like, uh, it's not the same. And it's like the back of your leg down to the bottom of your foot yeah. stapled together. Yeah, it's it's not, the most barbaric, horrific. It, yeah, it looks horrible. I mean, it's just, even, it just, oh, man. And I used to go in the uh, training room when you guys have ACLs, and I wanted to know, you know, and I see them in there crying, grown men, crying. Rehabbing? Yes. Mm. Oh, let me see you get your ACL, and they start bending your knee, and they start forcing yeah. it. They have to take a whole bunch of deep breaths, and then you just see the water flowing. I mean, they are like, I'm like, oh my god, please don't let me get that toward Achilles or ACL. They got so, to break. I all mean, the to your point, it is a really tough 
injury, uh, but how <laughs> catastrophic is me? Like to me, it's like it's at the end. Okay, I got, I got. You. <laughs> That's just me though. Okay. See my fair enough. Friend. Fair enough. Uh, Keith Carter said, "Offensive line coach of Dylan Radens, he will." And I'm holding up quotes. If you're in his own TV chat, Uh-oh. get an opportunity here shortly. How is that preconceived? Like he knows that? Huh? Does he just mean? Well, like, is somebody people... not dressing like, or, or, or not playing, or is Saffold's injury going to get him some weeks of rest because it's his shoulder or neck or whatever he's got? He will. It seems like that keeps bothering him, and so every game, I mean, you, you can't protect your shoulder. You're hitting somebody every play. Yeah, not so there's nothing that you position. can do, right? I, I mean, or whatever is his neck or shoulder. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, so maybe they're putting him in there. I, I don't know. Oh, they put in uh, what did they put in eleven? Uh, Corey Levin, who got brought back to be a center to back up Ben Jones. Yeah. Now he did. He interior did okay. dudes. He did okay. Yeah, interior yeah. dudes play guard, play center. Yeah, for people who don't know, if you're a backup offensive lineman in the NFL, you have to play two positions. I mean, you have to. But they all play two positions. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm trying to find this exact. It's amazing how durable usually they are. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. What, what do we okay. know, not know about or Dylan Radins? This is Jim. And I'm sorry, Dylan, if you're listening or, like, your mom is in town or whatever. I'm just fascinated by this. Oh, I, I, well, there's no apologies here. Uh, we, we call it as we see it. That's what we do. Yeah, I mean, we hey. we have to. It's a second-round pick on a team with a bunch of hurt offensive linemen. Well, nobody's saying he should be starting, but we're saying there's been numerous times where there's been opportunity as a backup and someone gets injured and he's not even dressed or not even considered. Kendall we, Lamb played one play on Sunday. I went back and found it. I Look, he had one snap. It was on the goal line play where Henry scored. Oh. And they had him out as, like, the sixth offensive lineman. They call it extra tight end. But well, he's extra, a veteran. Extra okay. tackle. It's Kendall Lamb. Mm-hmm. Big body, big push. Uh, he got to play one play. Raidens didn't play any. This is what – so this is from Jim Wyatt's Twitter, so it's the gospel. Uh, Titans old line coach Keith Carter on Dylan Raidens. He's the next man up. Corey Levin did a nice job uh, when he came in. Because he got more practice reps. But Dylan is right there. He's close. He'll get an opportunity here shortly. See, to me, that's interesting. Corey Levin got more. He just got here. Got more. Corey Levin got more practice reps than Dylan Radins. So he's not even getting. I know backups get less reps than starters. But Dylan Radins got less practice reps than Corey Dylan. Or than Corey Dylan. Dylan. Than Dylan Radins. Dylan Radins got less practice reps per his coach than Corey Levin. I'm combining Corey Levin and Dylan Reggie. That's why I'm looking at you like you're crazy. Why was the follow-up question, why is that? Why did he just come off the street and get more reps than your second-round pick? Go. It's not that hard. Yeah. I think that's uh, they, they thought he was better. And he knew the system. He's been on this team before. Yep. And they thought he is he's better. I mean, I don't know why they're going to say uh, Dylan Radins. Oh, he's, it's almost like they – I feel like we're, we're with these young players, we're treating them like this is college. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Nope, it's not. You got to get thrown in the fire uh, when it's your opportunity, uh, and you got to let them ride out and got to live the storm. It just – and you get, coaches got to deal with it. Can't be fearful that they're going to make mistakes. Because guess what? They're going to make, make mistakes. mistakes. Yeah, they are. And so You can do the practice reps all you want to. I'm telling you one thing right now. You have to get in that game and make your mistakes and see what you can and cannot get away with. I'm talking about with your talents, not holding or all those things. I'm talking about just within the game and the game plan and your skill set. Yeah, You have to. 
They, they found a way. Guess what? Uh, uh, my man Molden, guess what? They had him over to, like, the tight end. He was like the dime guy. Yeah, they found a way to put him out found there. Roll for him. Guess yeah. what? You, you're finally going to just slowly ease him in there. He starts getting comfortable, figuring out what he can and can't do, uh, and then eventually he'll be where you want him to be. But you can't let him sit on the bench. Yeah. We're going to need all these guys, as we see. Already need them. Yeah, yeah, but that's what makes great teams, though, mm-hmm. is your young or backup players will contribute, whether it's a game, plays in a game, or maybe two or three games. Backup wide receivers, they got to come ready to go. Mm-hmm. I know one thing we haven't talked about, Josh Reynolds, even a receiver. I mean, he, one target? Man, I tell you that Marcus Johnson, boy, he either, he, he's for real. He looks like he's for real, too. Like, he's smooth. Mm-hmm. Runs good routes. Yeah, so I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but, you know, old Tanny time. Talked a good game. Yeah, he has good length, athleticism about Josh Reynolds. One target? Sorry, you don't like him. That's what that means. He's not getting open. Not right. that you don't like him. Because Tane Hill throws to everybody. He, he throws, to everybody. throws to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, as long as you hold on to the ball, I'm sure he eventually got open. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Blake Topmeyer set to join us next. Let's talk Tennessee. Let's talk SEC. We'll talk college football. He is the uh, SEC specialist yeah. for the USA Network. Oh, SEC and, and, the and then Gruden. Yeah, we, we're not going to avoid the Gruden. No, no. I, I saw your face. She's like, ah, crap. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, we got to at least have, have a you know. There's a lot of pieces and parts it. to this Gruden thing. We'll, have, we'll get it to is. that too for sure today. Don't think we have uh, we forgotten about it. We hadn't forgotten about it, uh, and we haven't forgotten about Blake. He joins us next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Watch out. We got Blake Topmeyer joining us now at B Topmeyer on Twitter, SEC columnist for the USA Network. Blake, uh, I understand you got nice travel plans this week, uh, like some bucket list SEC type stuff. Yeah, I headed down to uh, to Baton Rouge for for Florida LSU. You know, back when I booked this trip, this booked a flight, I thought it might be two a little more higher profile teams, but it's still a game with. Uh, some interesting narratives, at least, as this might be the final stand for Ed Ogeron. Oh, man, you better make sure you're not with Southwest, man. You may not make it down there. You better get your, your <laughs> car ready. Yeah, that's true. Uh, how's your driving skills? <laughs> good, good point. I was just hearing about that. Um, uh, well, you mentioned Ed O. Certainly, we're going to ask you about that. Uh, so let me ask you this. a three-part question. How much longer do you think Ed O is the coach at LSU? And here's the second and third part. Who would be the next logical person for LSU? And the third part, what's next for dang Ed O if this doesn't work out? Man. Yeah. Three, uh, three okay, pieces. part one. Yes, um, as illegal. I, I, I think LSU might might wait until, say, November to make a move. But I don't know. If, you, if, if they lose to Florida right on the heels of Kentucky um, and, and Auburn, maybe you just do it now. I mean, generally I'm kind of in the camp, and I think a lot of ADs are too of the coach who can be fired in, in mid-October can just as easily be fired in, in November. Um, and it's like, what's the rush? And, and, and you look at that LSU staff, there is, there is no logical interim coach choice on, on that staff. It's not like you have an Ed O waiting in the wings to be an interim coach right. like you had in, in 2016. And the other problem you, you can run into with firing someone too early is like, God forbid the interim coach performed too well, and then you feel like you got to promote him to the head job, which once again we saw happen at at LSU there in in 2016. But the way frustrations are mounting, um, 
I, I could see it go go either way. I, I would not be surprised if after a, a loss to Florida on the heels of Kentucky and Auburn, they they just pull off the Band-Aid. Um, but like I said, with no logical interim coach waiting in the wings, maybe you, maybe you push it down the road a, a couple weeks unless you're worried about uh, USC rushing in a, ahead of you and, and hiring the guy you want. And in terms of of candidates that that I think you know makes sense for this, obviously Jimbo Fisher is going to come up in that LSU athletic director. Scott Woodward hired Jimbo Fisher to Texas A&M when Woodward was at A&M. Uh, but it's gonna, it, w- it would take like $10 million annually to even start that conversation uh, with, with Jimbo. Um, and even then, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a guy that's probably pretty happy at Texas A&M. James Franklin at, at Penn State, you know, you always hear his name when, job. when big-time jobs come up. Uh, and it just makes you wonder how, how, how locked in is he there at, at Penn State? Would he consider a, a return to the, the SEC, obviously former Vanderbilt coach, um, I, I think he's a name that, that you'll hear come up with this. Uh, uh, Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, I, it would be a wild ride <laughs> with, with Lane at uh, in Baton Rouge, but we'll see. I mean, if Lane starts piling up the victories here, um, you know, this this season, uh, his his stock is going to to continue to rise. Um, and then I think you know Luke Fickle's obviously the the hottest group of five name. I think a lot of people have have thought about him, you know, as maybe having his sights set on, on Ohio State. But but my response to that would be like, well, when is that Ohio State job going to open? You know, I mean, he could sit around and wait for that for a lot of years. Now, maybe the maybe the desire to leave Cincinnati is, is less than ever with, with Cincinnati moving yeah. uh, to Power 5, to having a, a real shot this year of being a college football playoff team. Uh, I don't know. And I, I'll throw one more group of five name out there. Billy Napier. Uh, Billy Napier. Yeah. Billy Napier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Billy Napier's done a, a, a really good job um, at, at Louisiana Lafayette. Yep. They don't like being called Lafayette. They just like Louisiana. Oh, but, I uh, know. I'm putting my money on him. Well, and, yeah. and I know this, Blake. I, I went to and worked at a Sunbelt school, Arkansas State. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But everybody no, yeah. knows that's the job that he wants. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we've seen Billy Napier time and again. And I actually visited about a day and a half um, with that program with, with Billy over the summer. And and part of the conversation was about his patience and, um, you know, he didn't get into specific jobs. That's like the worst kept secret in the SEC that obviously Billy Napier, um, you know, was pursued by, by Auburn and, and certainly South Carolina in this last hiring cycle. Um, and you even go back to the year before, before that, he was a name that was attached to, to SEC jobs. And he's shown an incredible patience there at Louisiana. I mean, I think he likes the job he has. Does that mean he's going to retire there? Probably not. Um, and I do think, yes, if you're if you're looking at, at jobs that would make him consider leaving what he feels is a pretty good gig right now, I think LSU is, is one of the few that's probably on his short list that would be awful tempting uh, to leave. And, you know, I mean, would he be the flashiest name, not compared to some of those other guys I mentioned? Yeah. Uh, but he, he checks some of the boxes. You know, he's got the, he's a former Saban assistant, former Dabo assistant. Yeah. Um, but I think he's also proven that, that he can be his own man and run his own program. That's certainly different at the group of five level, uh, but he's done a really, really good job at a school that's not accustomed to having uh, high-level football success in, in Louisiana Lafayette. All right, what happens to Ed O? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I mean, I, I think he'll wind up on a staff somewhere. You know, you see, someone as, as experienced as he is and, and as regarded as a recruiter as he is. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, people will tell you, you know, Ed's a good recruiter, and, and, and that doesn't stop just because he gets fired uh, if he gets fired. So, I mean, I think, I think someone will, will, will hire him to their staff. Maybe he, he jumps on for uh, – 
for uh, Nick Saban's, uh, you know, wayward, wayward coach program, their rehabilitation program. But I don't think he needs that because um, I, I don't think if Ed O gets fired, I don't think he'll become a head coach again. Um, so I don't think he really needs to go down to that analyst level. I, I think he, he probably winds up on a staff somewhere next year coaching defensive line and, and, and being a recruiter. Um, and I think that's just fine. I mean, I think, I think Ed Ogeron adds value um, to a lot of coaching staffs in, <laughs> across college football. I think the experiment with him as, as LSU's head coach, though, is, is pretty much run its course. Our interview with Blake Topmeyer, nowhere near running its course. He's talking <laughs> college football SEC right here on Blaine and Mickey. We're talking about surprises there, uh, Blake, man. Kentucky beating LSU in Florida. I didn't see that in the works, but, man, they look like they're the real deal. But will they have a rude awakening versus uh, who do they have? Georgia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Um, I think they probably do. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've held out in that skeptical camp uh, when it comes to Kentucky about as long as, <laughs> as, long as I can afford. I, I think I'm – I think I'm starting to, to slowly pivot here to mm-hmm. um, we need to start showing Kentucky some respect. But um, fact of the matter is, Georgia's just um, just laying it on everybody um, week after week. Um, I, I think they do what Kentucky does better. You know, I mean, it's kind of that old school SEC football. Um, rely on your defense. Rely on your running game. Uh, Kentucky's done that awfully well this year, but uh, Georgia's Georgia's doing that about as as good as anybody can. I mean, it, it's hard to envision Kentucky scoring um, more than about seven or ten points uh, in this game, and, and I think it's it's really hard to win SEC football games when you're if you're only scoring seven to ten points. Uh, we saw that last week when uh, when, when Georgia, uh, well, I guess it was a couple weeks ago when, when Georgia had uh, its matchup. Um, against Arkansas, Arkansas had a, an incredibly tough time scoring, um, and and that that good narrative mm-hmm. sort of fell on its fell on its face. Uh, now I don't think this will derail Kentucky's season. I think there's still a lot for them to accomplish, but the idea of them upsetting Georgia, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm still in the skeptical camp when it comes to that one. I'm not willing to go that far for, for Kentucky. What were you more surprised about, Kentucky beating LSU in Florida or A&M finally taking down Bama? A&M for sure. Yeah, that was that was something I did not see come. Maybe maybe back in July I, I would have saw that coming, but I, I just did they not golf. think an A&M. Yeah, Jim and A&M, saw it coming A&M, in May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An A&M team that had its offense just crater against Colorado, Arkansas, and Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Um, I mean, the idea that they would score forty-one points against Alabama, um, you know, after being so anemic offensively against those three three programs I just mentioned I mean that was that was not even really a possibility in, in my mind and, and uh, I was at that game Saturday and I tell you just an incredible environment at Kyle Field um, but you know as that game went I thought yeah A&M can win this thing you know it, it didn't feel really fluky the way they got out to that lead they were just out playing Alabama but then you saw the comeback and when Alabama went ahead 38-31 I definitely thought, you know, we've, we've seen this movie before, that the favorite struggles throughout most of the game, but whenever the favorite, the top dog, reclaims the lead late in the game, um, the underdog always folds. It almost always happens. And so I was, um, I was pretty stunned that, that A&M came and, and scored, um, you know, 10 points there in the final three minutes uh, to claim that, that victory. And that really, I mean, that really sends college football on its head, right? Like, I mean, I was, I was sitting here a week ago among the group saying that it's, 
it's Georgia, Alabama, and then everybody else. And and everybody else is kind of just playing for third place. Well, um, it doesn't feel that way, you know, a week, a week later and and Alabama, uh, really, I think is, is now one loss away from, um, from, from very likely being left out of the college football playoff. I I still think Alabama is one of the four most talented teams, um, in the nation, but you can't get to the playoff on talent alone. You got, you got to, your, your record matters and, and what you, what you do on the field matters. And, and the, the fact is, um, you know, Alabama might need to run the table now to make the playoff. And that probably requires them uh, getting through Georgia and Atlanta. So they, they've really, um, they've really forfeited any margin for error that they had. Well, with uh, Blake Topmeyer, uh, SEC columnist for USA Today Network. And I guess we'll start this UT conversation. First of all, they're pumped up. The fans are pumped up. Sell out uh, with the fan base uh, and Lane Kiffin coming back to town. Uh, how will he be received, and uh, how do you see this game playing out? Boy, yeah, if I, wasn't, if I wasn't in Baton Rouge on Saturday, I'd want to be at this one. I think it's going to be um, a vibrant atmosphere at Neyland Stadium. Lane Kiffin kind of needled the balls just a little bit at his press conference yesterday and mm-hmm. um and like subtly in passing mentioned that it's that it's going to be Neyland Stadium's first sellout in years um <laughs> kind of taking credit for the, his return uh being enough to, to get a sell out there Neyland I, I thought that was a good little whatever regardless of what you think of Lane that was a good little little needle there but uh, I mean this this game feels like a first of 50 points win wins and, and I know Josh Heupel you know, said on Monday, he doesn't want to concede the fact that this is going to be a, a high scoring affair. Like don't, don't let the defense preemptively off the hook. Um, but, you know, just, just seeing what we've seen play out, I think it's going to be that way. I mean, I, I think, I think Tennessee's defense has performed um, remarkably well as compared to, to expectations, especially the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, they really helped held a pretty decent Missouri offense in check. Um, they came out and, uh, and certainly did more than enough against South Carolina uh, but man, Ole Miss is—they're awfully good on offense. Um, and, and I know we can look back at that that Alabama game um, and say, well, it didn't look look so good there. Um, but you know, that's been the one exception. And, and really, every other week, Ole Miss's offense has, has been fantastic. Matt Corral, I think, is as good as as any quarterback in college football. Um, and so I think Ole Miss is going to pile up points. But on the flip side. Uh, that Ole Miss defense the last couple couple weeks, you know, last two games, Ole Miss has allowed more than 90 points combined. And we've seen what Tennessee's offense is, is doing now that they got the right quarterback in there. Uh, I mean, Hinton Hooker playing at a really high level. Uh, Tyon Evans is, is running the ball well. I think that offensive line is improving. Um, I think they found something in their veteran receivers. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Tennessee can go toe-to-toe with them. Um, and, and what's going to be a, a probably a, a almost a four-hour game, a high-scoring game, um, and I think the, the atmosphere in Neyland is going to be interesting because, as you guys know, Lane Kiffin is, is one of the most polarizing figures in Tennessee. I mean, there, there's some Vols fans um, that still, almost 12 years later, will never forgive and and and, and cannot stand him for the for the way he left uh, Tennessee in in January 2010. I think there's there's um, you know certainly an, a, another sizable section of the fan base out there. Um, that has forgiven Lane, um, that it, that remains intrigued by him, that, that even have a soft spot for him. And, and some of those fans even would have liked to have seen him back on a Tennessee sideline. So uh, the reception, I know he's been back as an offensive coordinator. He was back twice at Alabama as a coordinator. But I do think it's a little bit different when you come back as a head coach of another SEC program. That's going to be interesting to see what kind of reception he, he receives on Saturday night. 
We're on with uh, Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for USA Today Network. Blake, it's interesting you, you mentioned the start of the season that Hendon Hooker has, has had. I, I looked, he's actually the top-rated passer right now in the SEC. Heupel's done a whole lot right, but it certainly feels like they guessed wrong, picked wrong, did it wrong to start the season with Milton at quarterback instead of Hooker. They did, and I think I'm I'm probably a little more lenient on that than, than some. I, I know there's some out there that are that are really frustrated and think uh, if he would have picked the right quarterback out of the gates, um, you know Tennessee might be five and one right now with a win over over Pittsburgh. Um, I, I guess I more look at it as um, there's been there's been more than one coach uh, that's been fooled by Joe Milton, and I do really think it's hard when you see if Joe Milton really was the guy that was performing the best in preseason camp which I'll take him at their word, I, I suppose, that he, that he was. I think it's hard to not then start that person until you see on the field um, that maybe that's not the right choice. I mean, if, I mean, if a guy goes through the preseason um, and day after day looks like your best option, um, I, think, I think almost any coach in America probably goes with that guy. And, and I will say to Heifel's credit, you know, how, how long did we hear from Jeremy Pruitt? Well, well, Jared Garantano is the guy that's practicing the best. So he, he goes out there and starts. Well, at some point you just have to realize like, well, he might be practicing fine, but uh, he's not getting it done in the game. So you need to make a change. Um, and now Joe Milton's injury against Pittsburgh, I think certainly helped that along. Uh, but still to Heifel's credit, um, he, he did make a change um, and he got it wrong out of the gates, but I think he, uh, he showed that he wasn't going to be stubborn on this. He showed that he wasn't going to dig his heels in and just insist that he had the right guy. Um, and he's very quietly kind of pivoted. I mean, he he never really officially said Joe Milton has been demoted. Uh, he's lost his starting job. I think he's handled this about as well as anybody can uh, for someone who made the certainly made the wrong choice initially. Um, but I guess, like I said, I'm probably a little more lenient than some on that um, because until you see it uh, on the field – uh, with, with your program. I mean, I know you could look back at Milton's struggles at Michigan, but you know, when you get here and, and if you think he's the guy performing best in camp, I, I think you go with him. And then, and then when you find out on the field, when it actually counts that he's not the best choice, then you have to pivot. And, and Josh Heupel did so. Blake Topmeyer, our guest, SEC USA Network. Hey, Blake, on the way out, we got about 30 seconds left. Can Vandy keep up with South Carolina? This feels like a game Vandy can make interesting to me. I agree. I think they can make it interesting. Um, I, I don't think they'll win, but uh, I don't think we should just assume that the Vandy's going to get trounced by, by, by South Carolina. I mean, these are these are two pretty poor teams. Let's let's call it what it is. I mean, Vanderbilt's really poor, and and South Carolina's not far far behind. So uh, yeah, it seems like Vanderbilt keeps playing in these games with UConn and Colorado State. Like, yeah. Uh, but, well, it might be compelling anyway. <laughs> Blake. Blake, good stuff, man. At B. Topmeyer. Uh, all right, I just say Topmeyer. Some people call you Topmeyer. What's the correct pronunciation? It's Topmeyer. Usually people add the extra E or the L in there. Usually okay. those people who are not a fan of my work. The Topmeyer crowd out there, uh, they don't like my work. The Topmeyer crowd, uh, they much more appreciate my work. So if you you guys, I'd prefer it if you stick to Topmeyer, but if I write something you don't like, Go ahead and stick an, an E and an L in there and just turn it into Topmeyer. 100%. We're Topmeyer guys all the way, man. We, we appreciate the time from Topmeyer always. We think you are top shelf. Thank you, man. Thanks, Top. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Top level analysis from Blake Topmeyer at B Topmeyer, SEC columnist, USA Network. All right, when we come back, it's time to get into this Gruden thing. We'll do that. You want to sound off on it? Hey, phone lines are open. Uh, Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, 615 737 1045.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. National right. Farmer's Day today. Hey, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you, all Day. you farmers out there, for all the work you do for us so we can grub. Meanwhile, hey, man. I'm just over there eating a whole bunch of sneakers. Who, who the hell sneakers for us? Mm. Oh, you got the Milky Way Midnight. Oh, that was it. Now, that's like a, two of them. I and that's like stop. a Halloween-only candy. I never see those except at Halloween. Oh, Have you ever God. noticed there's candy that only exists at Halloween? Lucas, you ever noticed that? You're young. Like candy corn. Oh, yeah. Well, but you can always buy that in a sack at Walgreens. I'm talking about, like, the stuff you go home, like, the little sixlets, which are like the knockoff M&Ms. You only get those at Halloween. Oh, yeah. Or the, or, or the, or the McRibs. I don't even know. My, <laughs> I, I can't do the McRib. I, I mean, all, I, I, I'll eat every Big Mac about. you ever put in front of me, but I can't do the McRib. Uh, and McDonald's. Oh, you can't do the no, no. I don't think no. I can bring myself to well, do it either. Okay. What? They fooled me oh, twice. You guys are When it first out, came man. out, I kept looking at it. They were running all these commercials, and it looked like a little slab of ribs. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I don't know, know about this, man. I got to go get one of those things. I got one of those things. I was instantly disappointed. Oh, and, so, and again, I, I like Big Macs, McDonald's, French fries, undefeated. I like oh. me. I, their Coke is the best Coke in the world. It's oh, so good. Oh, you, but you I can't get down. With, yes. <laughs> I cannot get down with the McRib, though. And, like, 20 years later, because it, it comes and goes, right? No wonder you don't drink. You're always drinking Coke. Well, I drink, like, one every two days. But no coffee. That's the only caffeine I get. I drink, like, oh, one soda man. every two days. All right. Well, thanks, farmers. National Thank farmers you, farmers. Day. Yes. Uh, for growing. Thank you for the McRib. For whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I, although, I don't know if the McRib's ever seen a picture of a pig in its life. Oh. I mean, I would try know, it. I would try it. I'll try anything once. Well, I tried it twice. 20 years later, it came out again. Oh, I went to college with this girl, and she posted about it. Joe Beth, um, she Man, was... you remember her name. She must yeah. have been a pretty important girlfriend. She was all-time uh, greatest in three categories, volleyball at Arkansas State. And, oh. like, kills, uh, spikes, and something else. Oh. That's how good she was. Oh, she so, was. fantastic volleyball player. Yeah. But she loves those things. Oh, she yeah, she posted about it. I said, yeah. I'm going to go get one. Yeah. Fool me twice. What, what, is your, what is your current wife love? Not McRibs. <laughs> I just, what does she love? She is a very, and she, <laughs> she listens a lot. She's a very plain eater. She is. She likes, she, she, she likes very plain, you, you nothing like adventurous, plain no adventurous restaurants. That's not her thing. It is, it's not super my thing either, but I will say this. Hey, when we go places. I'm that way sometimes. When we go places, I want to go to a place that is original to wherever we are. Oh, like, okay. like no chain restaurant. Like what's a hole-in-the-wall place? What's the place where the locals go? I, I try really hard to do that when we go places. Oh, really? Oh, so you, you're not going like to Jay Alexander? or I like Jay Alexander's here, <laughs> but if I go somewhere, I, I'm not going to wheel up into Jay Alexander's. It's like, let's find some place where the locals eat. You go to Red Robin? <laughs> Hey, that's near my house. My right, kids would eat there every I'm day. Trying, You're hitting all the spots my kids will eat at. Yes. Out back, you know. I haven't Cheddar's. been out back in forever. Cheddar's I like. I never think about going there. Okay. It's one of the closest restaurants to where I live, and I don't ever think about going there. I should. It's good food. Yeah. Well, um, thank the farmers, though. Thank the farmers for growing all the food. By the way, if you're a farmer... Not only are you a hard worker, you're a scientist, you're a crop forecaster, you're like an economist, an agronomist, you're at everything. Oh, dang, I'm all of those. Are well, you a farmer? I, well, you got a garden? I, used, I used to be. I used to be. And I when, thought I was, and you weren't. No, no, but the, the only one job that I had, well, that was my first job. Did this involve poop? No. You no, that wasn't my first job. That was the job I did in college. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, that was horrible. I was like a fireman mask and all that crap. But no, I was a I was a corn I was a, a corn trap. <laughs> right, thank you. Okay. My first job was a corn detasseler, Ben from Indiana. What? Oh yeah, you didn't know Boy, that. Cor- no, oh, no, my. I would remember that. A.M. You wonder where I got my discipline from? Right there, first job. Corn detasseler. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. What yeah. instilled more discipline in you, corn detasseler or the poop plant? Which one did you enjoy less? Poop, just because of the smell. Uh, that corn, those corn shuck, that lays will scratch the crap out of you. I know. That's uh, corn or poop. See, but the one thing about the poop, and it's plant, funny because corn and poop kind of have know, a relationship. Out the poop plant <laughs> is like that was a one-time deal, like you know, once a day, and then I'm done for the rest of the day, even though I'm still on the clock. Corn detasseler never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you were on there thing for eight hours. She was like, "Oh my gosh." Is it going to get daylight yet? This is going to be signals that it's time to get off. <laughs> the poop. The answer daylight. is poop over corn. Uh, poop. Yes. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of jobs. <laughs> yes. Speaking of jobs, John Gruden might yeah. be hosting out a poop, poop plant <laughs> detasseling corn. Because he needs a new J-O-B. Um, oh, well, I don't think he's hurting. <laughs> bunch of old, he, as we were discussing before the show, so he, got, he wound up getting 40 of his 100 million, roughly. Right. It's, what he's, uh, it's what he's going to get. And, uh, Four years of his 10 years. <laughs> Four of 10. Um, emails, you know this if you're a sports fan. A bunch of old emails surfaced. He used racist and homophobic homophobic and sexist language and all kinds of language. And yeah. Well, he also went after women referees. He did. Uh, the concussion uh, issue with the, the players. Goodell. Uh, Goodell, yeah, yeah, the sheriff. Yeah, I couldn't believe that one. And then naturally, which was first, which was leaked first, is the NFLPA president. Demar Smith. Demar, you know, Smith there. So, mm. and, and as well as some of the journalists who cover the, the league and the coaches. Uh, so he didn't, he didn't want to leave anybody out. So he made sure he hit all of them. Everybody got, the, everybody got shot over I, those years. Yeah. The interesting thing about this, and, and Blaine and I have talked about this a whole lot, and, and there are people who say fire him immediately, and there are others who say, hey, they're just words. It doesn't bother me. And, and, and wherever you fall on that, that's fine. There is an angle of this story, though, that some NFL writers are bringing up. Who People are saying, I think he should be fired. But this is very interesting because it was 650,000 emails, and only Gruden's emails get out. What are they trying to hide or direct attention from? Yeah, that, and that was really where I was going to go with yep. it. You know, why did the Gruden emails get released uh, when the you know Washington football team <laughs> investigation is actually over and it ended in July? Yeah, uh, and he also went after owners. Yes. Uh, by the way, so I don't know. Once it got leaked out to the Times, maybe they just trying to throw him on the bus for something else, or is this a distraction? to something else that's going on over here because they could have simply, you know, got away with this uh, and said, well, he's going to counseling. He could have apologized numerous times, feel uh, sympathetic. And, uh, you know, I made mistakes years ago. You know, some people don't even like, well, that was years ago. I mean, but at that time, you know, it was easy to get away with. Now it's kind of a different society, I, I think. And uh, they're worried about maybe losing sponsors for the league and everything else. So I, I just wonder if, Anybody here in Tennessee, do you really care about what happened to Gruden, to be honest? I mean, do you really care? I mean, it didn't, it, you know, bother me when I owed a good or bad. I'm just like, man, dang, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked they went all in and basically forced the owner to say, hey, he got to go. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. That, that, was, that was interesting. The owners are the owners, and they always win. Undefeated, aren't they? Undefeated. The billionaires always take down the millionaires down. So just know this. So 
probably, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, IT guys right now uh, going and help out a lot of owners and executives right now. They tight with the IT guys. Now, (laughs) see, you didn't know I was going to go there. They tight with the IT guy right now, man. But, man, you can't be sending out emails like that. I mean, he did over, you know, long span of time i guess they're that's what they're saying and yep. so I'm, I'm believing what they're saying because he's accredited uh credible uh news reporters and when you're talking about adam schefter and tom pelicello and everybody else uh that's out there uh so this is you know it's just horrible that someone's out there you know doing this you can say oh well you know you can make a mistake but man he he kept going and i, I just think he's probably got he's an egotistical guy yep. you know and thinks his stuff don't stink and hey, i can do whatever heck i want yeah so Kind of where is that with me? Yeah, Shalise uh, Young, as they call him, is for Yahoo Sports. Yahoo Sports, not Yahoo. Yahoo Sports. Yeah, yeah, he. And, and she essentially wrote, like, a lot of the same thing. This a, a, a guy who's a privileged guy. He's had all the success in the world. You know, she kind of said he's like the star quarterback who does, says, just does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, says whatever he wants. And Yeah, on Monday night, this is when it comes out, when he used to actually work for ESPN, when yeah. all this stuff happened, by the way. On Monday night. So what night. were the people he sent the emails to? Where did they go? Where, where did they go? I guess none of them ever responded. They never responded. <laughs> Nobody ever only responded. sent emails, no responses. What you say? It was 650,000. <laughs> 650, emails. Emails. And not just him, but just that they all looked at over this In his Redskins time. investigation. And the only guy did anything bad was John Gruden. Yeah, I wonder where Snyder. Oh, remember the, the cheerleaders too. He got them too. Yeah, he didn't sure leave did. anybody out. Uh, we can keep this discussion going on the other side. I know we got uh, Marshall in Nashville who wants to weigh on the Mark Spain real estate hotline. You want to talk about this? Hey, man, we got a whole nother hour of the show. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Coach Mack is going to join us in the two o'clock hour. It's Blaine and Mickey one zero four five. The Zone.